Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Conservative thought, not just talk. This is The Dan O'Donnell Show. And ladies and gentlemen, we have discovered a new group of people that you cannot make fun of under any circumstance. If you thought it was tough to do comedy in 2016, well, in 2017, it's going to be even more difficult. Yes, the last group that it was safe to make fun of, white heterosexual males now is a protected class at least according to the portland mercury i saw this uh thanks to our intrepid traffic reporter john wyatt who was reading the wall street journal this morning and said dan i saw this and i i just had to get this to you this is this is too funny this is comedy gold the wall street journal on its opinion pages will post blurbs of columns and think pieces and whatever from across the country and one caught my eye caught john wyatt's eye by a charles mudeed of the portland mercury it is entitled can portlandia be funny in the age of trump portlandia is a cable television show it stars fred armison from Saturday Night Live and a couple of other moderately successful comedians. And at Lampoon's Life in Portland, the hipster liberals who who live there, the subtitle of this opinion piece, What's so funny about loving bikes and trying to save the planet? Season 7 of Portlandia premiered Thursday on IFC. The comedy show continues to make fun of white urban progressive people who would never vote for Trump. Indeed, who, if given the chance, would vote for Bernie Sanders? The question is, should we really mock these people? For sure, they have their problems. They are not completely free from the racist history of the U.S., and many of them are entangled in a real estate market that displaces poor people of color. But politically, they support universal health care, taxing the rich, increasing spending on public education, improving public transportation, developing alternative forms of energy, and addressing climate change. These issues, which are deeply serious and, if enacted, would improve the lives of millions of Americans and billions of Earthlings, are at present in a political environmental, he meant to say, in a political environment, that is totally hostile What is there to laugh at here? I would prefer to watch Alec Baldwin's Trump on SNL. This from Charles Mudeed of the Portland Mercury. He goes on for quite some time uh, citing another writer, Monica Drake, who's a Portland-based novelist, and, and saying, 
I'm not sure there is all that much difference between Portlandia mocking the characters they focus on and Trump mocking a reporter with a disability because Trump thinks he's being funny. It's all the same mentality. You can create humor that works toward a better world. You see, ladies and gentlemen, mocking hipster liberals is really no different than mocking the disabled. It's really no different than mocking somebody who should never be mocked, who can never be mocked, because you see, mocking a hipster liberal is mocking the most helpless and defenseless in our society. And I am taking up Charles Mudeed and Monica Drake's fight. And I have created a public service announcement that I am submitting to be aired on all radio stations across the country to protect our nation's hipster liberals. Our people are suffering and only you can save them. They cry out for help and gluten-free caramel macchiatos. They are our nation's hipster liberals and they are in trouble. First, it was the horror of an election not going their way. Then, it was realizing that protesting and throwing temper tantrums wouldn't change it. Now, it's occasionally being made fun of. They don't deserve this. Nobody deserves this. So please, before you make a joke about craft brewing, before you roll your eyes at their man buns, please remember, they're people too. They're just like you. In fact, they're smarter than you and know what's best for you better than you do. They are our nation's hipster liberals. Please help them. They've been through enough already. It just gets me emotional just thinking about their plight. All right. Yes, we will have that up on Common Sense Central News Talk 1130.com. Already got an email about that. Somebody wondering about that. Uh, You folks type really, really fast. Paul Ryan on a CNN town hall event last night. Ladies and gentlemen, I watched it so you didn't have to. Paul Ryan, uh, taking questions from the audience, as well as the moderator, Jake Tapper, just uh, a day after Donald Trump, a member of the same political party as Paul Ryan, called CNN fake news. Yes, folks, you know how this is going to go. It never ceases to amaze me that even a politician, even a leader, as savvy and as smart as Paul Ryan, does not understand that going on CNN is only going to lead to gotcha questions. And doing an event like a town hall with a hostile network is only going to be used against you in any way Possible Because the questions that get picked from the audience are always designed to advance a liberal narrative and to try to put Ryan on the spot to try to have to answer questions from an endless parade of victims. Yes, the parade of victims is back. It took an eight-year break under President Obama, but now, once again, we can safely dig through the phone books of America to find the people most victimized by the policies of Donald Trump and the Republicans. And it all started last night at this town hall 
A man named Jeff Johns or Jeff Jeans, I didn't catch how to pronounce his name, but he was uh, put forth as just a, a small business owner, a former Republican, a man who campaigned and even worked for the Bush and Reagan campaigns, who changed his mind about Obamacare after he was diagnosed with cancer. You just mentioned pre-existing conditions. Uh, let me introduce you, uh, and please uh, get yeah. up, because I know yeah. you want to uh, engage. Uh, Jeff Jeans is from Sedona, Arizona. He was a lifelong Republican, and then something happened. Jeff. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> I was a Republican, and I worked for the Reagan and Bush campaigns. Just like you, I was opposed to the Affordable Care Act. When it was passed, I told my wife, we would close our business before I complied with this law. Then, at 49, I was given six weeks to live mm. with a very curable type of cancer. We offered three times the cost of my treatments, which was rejected. They required an insurance card. Thanks to the Affordable Care Act, I'm standing here today alive. Being both a small business person mm -hmm. And someone with pre-existing conditions, I rely on the Affordable Care Act to be able to purchase my own insurance. Why would you repeal the Affordable Care Act without a replacement? Oh, we, we wouldn't do that. We want to replace it with something better. First of all, um, I'm glad you're standing here. <laughs> I mean, really, seriously. I mean, uh, can, can, can no, I, really. Uh, can, can I say one thing? I hate to interrupt yeah, you. Can yeah. I say one thing? I want to thank President Obama from the bottom of my heart because mm. I would be dead if it weren't for him. If it were Barack Obama saved that man's life. It was so it wasn't the doctors, it wasn't the treatment, it was Barack Obama. And I'm not going to sit here and make fun of a cancer survivor. It's great that he was able to get the coverage that he needed. He obviously, very obviously, could have gotten health insurance before. Has he not heard of small group? Plans. I mean, has he not heard of this concept that was specifically designed for small business owners? In fact, small business owners, just like Jeff Jeans, have been among the hardest hit by Obamacare because their prices for both premiums and deductibles in those small group type plans on the health insurance market have gone up so dramatically and so exponentially. And here's the kicker about Obamacare. Using numbers from the Centers for Disease Control, the Weekly Standard was actually able to determine that 3.8 million more people would be able to access and would be on private health insurance had Obamacare never even come into existence. This is the myth that the left wants you to know about Obamacare. It wants to perpetrate this narrative that somehow it was only Obamacare that got 20 million more people insured. Now, we know that that 20 million number is completely and totally made up. There's nowhere near 20 million more people who got health insurance because of Obamacare. They include in that number the people who already had health insurance and merely were forced from their plans by Obamacare and had to sign up through the Affordable Care Act. So they, they count that as a, a number of uh, people who got health insurance through Obamacare. It's completely and totally dishonest. The 20 million is made up. Weekly Standard uses the CDC's own numbers to determine that the rate 
of private health insurance in this country has actually declined under Obamacare. You want to know why so many more people are quote-unquote insured? It's because there was a dramatic expansion of Medicaid. All of the numbers of newly insured, almost all of them, and you can check this, are because of the Medicaid expansion. Private health insurance coverage has actually gone down. The Weekly Standard extrapolates those numbers from the CDC and determines that had there not been an Obamacare using 2007 data compared with the data throughout the seven years of the Affordable Care Act, it's determined that 3.8 million more people would have private health insurance today because Obamacare determined that so many health insurance plans were simply not compatible with the law. Remember the lie, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan? It was just that, a lie. If you like your plan and it doesn't comport with Obamacare, too bad. Somebody like Jeff Jeans, boom, gone. Now where, I wonder, would CNN find a guy with such a compelling story? I mean, wow, wow, what a coincidence that this guy happened to be at this town hall and happened to get picked to ask Ryan a question. Well, I did a little search for Jeff Jeans. Turns out that he runs a Facebook group called Obamacare Saved My Life. This guy is an activist in favor of the Affordable Care Act. And of course, because he's a cancer survivor, his story cannot be at all challenged, okay? You cannot question him at all and say, hey, uh, yeah, you probably could have gotten private health insurance. Now, he says, well, in 2011, his business went under, so he couldn't get health insurance to, to deal with his cancer. This is ludicrous. This is absolutely ludicrous. He could have found private health insurance, even if it was through getting another job, because he's still here, and he was at the time presumably still able to find gainful employment. But this guy is an activist, okay? I found this in a Huffington Post article from December 27th in which uh, the writer, uh, under the headline, These Are the Lives That Obamacare Helped Save, they found these stories of people who say, well, my life was saved because of Obamacare. And this wasn't the only in the parade of victims in this Paul Ryan town hall. He also got a question from, yes, an illegal immigrant who was worried about deportation. My name is Angelica Villalobos. I am undocumented. I've been, like um, he mentioned, I've been, I live in the state of Oklahoma. I'm here with one of my daughters, Destiny. I've been in the United States for 21 years. I am uh, protected from deportation because of the DACA program. Mm. Um, to be protected, I applied, went through a background check, and I paid almost nearly $1,000 in, in fees. It's clear that if DACA gets repealed, uh, my daughter will lose her mother, right. and um, I'm sorry, she will lose her mother. And I want you um, to know that DACA has helped me. Why do you do you think that I should be deported? And many of families in my situation no. should. No, no, Anne Halica. First of all, I, I can see that you love your daughter, and you 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 are a nice person who has a great future ahead of you, and I hope your future is here. Um, I'll even repeat the sentiment that our incoming president says, that's the problem he wants to focus on. This is not the focus. And so what we have to do is find a way to make sure that you can get right with the law 
and we've got to do this in, in a good way so that the rug doesn't get pulled out from under you and your family gets separated. That's the way we feel, and that is exactly what our new incoming president has stated he wants to do. Look, I got married in Oklahoma City. It's, it's a great community. It's where my, my wife's from that area, and, and I'm, sh I'm sure you're a great contributor to that community, and we don't want to see you get separated from your family. So we have to figure out how to fix this, but to do that, people need to have confidence that our laws are being followed and that we actually know who's coming and going, that we actually have a secure border. Paul Ryan's answer kind of waffled a little bit. What I would have done was to flat out ask her, you're an undocumented immigrant. You're undocumented. Did you or did you not violate federal law when you came to this country? She would, of course, be forced to say yes. Do you think, in a general sense, there should be punishment for people who violate federal law? She would, of course, be forced to say yes. Then you say, okay, I understand that you have a life here and you've got a beautiful daughter and she shouldn't have to worry about losing her mother or you getting deported. And rest assured, there aren't going to be deportation patrols. But you have to understand that we're a nation of laws. And now that you're here, I know you follow America's laws. But when you came here, you didn't. And you have to understand that if we are to be an America that was so tempting for you to come here and to be a part of it, we have to be an America that respects our Constitution and respects our laws. So you need to respect the fact that we are working on a system that ensures that people respect America's laws. Because as, as a sovereign nation, Marisol, or I think that was her name, we want people like you in this country, but we want you in this country legally. And as a sovereign nation, we do have the right to say, we want Marisol, we don't want an MS-13 gangbanger. And the system of illegal immigration that we have now, we can't, we can't tell. We want people like you. We want the moms. We want the dads. We want the people who will go to Oklahoma City and make that community better. We don't want the gangs and the drug dealers and the bad actors coming across this border. Can you understand that, Marisol? She would, of course, be forced to say yes. But that's just me. I do this for a living. Gary and Kenosha, you're on WISN. Uh, good morning, Dan. Hey. Uh, yeah, you know what? I don't know why Paul Ryan is continuing to undermine Donald Trump's agenda. And this is just another example of him doing everything he can do to undermine Donald Trump. How? Trump has a problem with CNN. CNN is fake news. These people that they brought up, you even said the guy was an activist, the cancer victim. And he's an activist for Obamacare. Oh, and I see what you're saying. So why... Hold on a second. So, so what you're saying is, do that? well, because this was scheduled, this was obviously scheduled. Yeah, I'm going to go a week or so in advance. You got to let me finish there, Gary. I know you're upset. Okay, hold on. Hold on. If if you think this was an effort to thwart Trump's agenda, why is it that everything Ryan and the Republican Congress is doing is comporting with Trump's agenda. I understand you're upset. And uh, okay, to be honest I, with you, I would never, if I was a Republican, I would not go on CNN with a 10-foot pole. These things have to be scheduled. 
days, if not weeks in advance. Okay. So all of this, all of this brouhaha with CNN, which came up, what, Tuesday night, maybe Monday night, Monday night, Tuesday night with the BuzzFeed thing and CNN reporting on it. And then Trump and Jim Acosta at the press conference on was that Wednesday, Wednesday, I believe this was already scheduled and it would be. I'm going to say it's just kind of out of common courtesy, just as somebody who kind of understands how the cable news business works, just out of common courtesy, Ryan could not back out of that. Okay, okay. so it um, wasn't an, right. it wasn't well, an attempt yet? to undermine his agenda. All right. Now, here, my reason, common courtesy, number one, Jim Acosta did not show common courtesy to the president elect. Right. Furthermore, that's uh, the way he talks. You never, nobody ever talked to Obama like that. If well, of anyone course. would have talked to Obama like that, they'd have kicked him. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Come out. And so, with that in mind, Every, every Republican thing should have been canceled. Obama wouldn't have done that. Now, furthermore, why do you think that, why do I think that, uh, that uh, Ryan is trying to undermine? Well, now here's the point. Ryan, or you said Ryan was, all the Republicans are doing what Trump wants. The only reason that the Republicans are doing what Trump wants is because we, the voters that put Trump in office, are going to put them out of office if they don't. Okay, here's the thing, though, Gary. How? I mean, you. I just told you they're going along with Trump's agenda. Trump is setting the agenda. Because they have to. But they're only my doing point, it because they're being forced to. Drag right. Okay, but Gary, you said you said that Ryan is deliberately trying to undermine Trump's agenda. Yes. How? Yes. By going on CNN. Well, when he went and said, "Vote your conscience." When he when he wouldn't go to the campaign in Wisconsin with Trump, that's not Trump. He, okay, hold on a sec, Gary. That's not Trump's agenda. That was during a campaign. Yeah. Do, we'll do you follow me? Okay. So yeah, you got yeah. you got no evidence that he's undermining Trump's agenda. I, okay. Yes. Common courtesy would dictate that Jim Acosta not bark questions at at President Elect Trump. Yes, I I one hundred percent understand that. But to think that somehow Paul Ryan is going on CNN to, to undermine the president-elect, these things get scheduled. I, you know, In fact, now that I think about it, I think I saw a promo for this just scanning through CNN last week. I, I, I'm telling you, this was scheduled long in advance. All right, so Trump says, oh, because of that, we're canceling CNN. Did Donald Trump tell Paul Ryan to cancel his CNN town hall? Did, did the word go out? I didn't hear anything about that. I mean, this idea that somehow the Republican Party is still so fractured and that everything that Paul Ryan does is somehow a slight of Donald Trump really, folks, has got to stop. Tell me what you have seen in the new Congress. Remember, the new Congress started on January 3rd and got to work almost immediately. What was Donald Trump's number one promise repealing and replacing Obamacare. Trump even said, look, I don't want a repeal 
and then a replace sometime down the line. I want repeal and immediate replacement. Paul Ryan said in that CNN town hall, we are going to repeal and we are going to replace. We've got a lot of plans that we've got to sift through and we've got to figure out how to do this most effectively. But this is what we've been doing for weeks now. Once again, lining up ideologically and politically with the president-elect. Also, Paul Ryan talking about the need to secure the border. Once again, a major plank of Donald Trump's campaign. Folks, we've got to get it out of our minds that somehow all of these Republicans are still joining with the liberal conspiracy to take down Donald Trump. We're all on the same team now. I understand it was a contentious election. But everyone in Washington with an R next to their name is working together on conservative reforms. Mike and Racine, you're on WISN. Hey, Dan. I just want to make a quick point from your last caller who stated that Paul Ryan's trying to undermine or was trying to undermine Trump during the campaign. Then how does he explain the fact that Paul Ryan single-handedly funded the Trump campaign in Wisconsin and all the other candidates that were running? in his last election cycle. Uh, you mean by just uh, sharing some of his war chest and that sort of stuff? It, exactly. exactly. You know, I, I voted for Trump. I'm a longtime supporter of Paul Ryan. It seems that there's this anti-Ryan group that's out there that's outside of his district that doesn't quite get it. Paul Ryan put out tons of money, like you said, out of his personal war chest to fund the campaign in the state of Wisconsin. Well, I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate. What Paul Ryan was doing, thank you very much for the phone call, Mike. What Ryan was doing is working in concert with the RNC, which did, in fact, do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of fundraising for Donald Trump. He self-funded to roughly the degree that he said he would, but the uh, Republican Party did a lot of fundraising for Donald Trump. And in terms of Wisconsin... Yes, you did have Paul Ryan. Everybody talks about the Fall Fest event uh, and how Ryan said that he wouldn't campaign with Trump anymore. Look, can a guy not be offended by what Trump said on the on the Trump tape? It was divisive. All right. It was something that was used to try to splinter the Republican support for Donald Trump. It was used as a bludgeon by the media and the Democrats to attack anyone who would or could support Trump, specifically Paul Ryan. So what Ryan said on that conference call right after the second debate was that, look, he didn't say, I'm not going to do not campaign with Donald Trump. He said, look, if in your district it is advantageous for you, if you're in a more liberal district, to say, look, I don't support what Trump said, do it. Because you need to focus on your own election. That was all he was saying to the House Republican Caucus. But that got blown up to, oh, he hates Trump and uh, he's trying to undermine Trump. It's really tiresome to hear this very small but very vocal anti-Paul Ryan, anti-any Republican who is not named Donald J. Trump sentiment that still continues after the election. If, If you want to focus on attacking Republicans, by all means... There are plenty of liberals who will line up to help you do it. Heck, you can even get on an NPR show and do it. 
But you've got to understand that now is the time for solidarity. Now is the time for singularity of purpose, of message, and of action. Because as soon as Trump is inaugurated a week from today, we're all going to be hitting the ground running. Dan O'Donnell here on the Dan O'Donnell Show. Conservative thought, not just talk on News Talk 1130 WISN. O'Donnell on News Talk 1130 WISN. Yeah, Paul Ryan is so anti-Trump and so working to undermine Trump's agenda that even before Trump is inaugurated, the House today is going to vote on a budget reconciliation measure that will make it much easier to repeal the Affordable Care Act to get rid of Obamacare. Pierre in Brookfield, you're on WISN. Hey, Pierre. Hey, how are you? Doing good. What's up? Good. Yeah, I just wanted to say, see, this is these original Trumpers before the election, the original Trump supporters. I remember listening to them and watching them, and they totally reminded me of liberals. The way they fight, uh, they're irrational. You can't talk to them, and they all and and they're angry. And here we go, all the way into the thing when everyone's trying to line up. Yeah, still trying to fight. See, I don't want to get I don't want to get into this uh, divisiveness again, Pierre, but there is an element. And I I think, you know, reflecting on the election and the the bitter uh, primary fight that we had, there was an element. I'm not going to say they're they're like liberals, but they are a lot of the original Trump supporters. What Trump was able to do and to do very, very effectively was to galvanize a segment of the population that had just completely and totally tuned out politics. For many years, they just were so disaffected with the way things were going that they didn't vote and they didn't care about politics. And a lot of these were the so-called blue dog Democrats who sort of came of age politically under Ronald Reagan – Reagan, 30-plus years ago, was the guy who was able to reach them and to speak to their innate conservatism and to get them active and politically motivated once again. And Trump, like Reagan, had the ability to do that. Now, a lot of people who listen to talk radio every single day are hyper-engaged in the political process. And they understand from being a part of this that you can't get so emotionally invested in a candidate, in a piece of legislation, in an election, because everything is cyclical, all right? If Donald Trump wins his second term in four years, it's almost 100% certain, I think, that a Democrat will then win the White House in 2024. It's just the way American politics works, okay? What you had with Donald Trump is he's so galvanized and he's so electrified this segment of the population that they feel emotionally invested in him. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And they feel as though, because they've been mocked by the left and they've been marginalized by the left for so long, that an attack on Trump and any effort to marginalize Trump was therefore an attack on them too. The connection to Trump was so personal that people saw themselves, millions of people saw themselves in him. This is what I would do if I had billions of dollars and could run for president. Yeah, everybody knows Hillary's a crook and should be in jail. Yeah, Donald Trump said that right to her face in the debate. They see in Trump how they would act. Maybe not exactly. Maybe they wouldn't be just like Trump, but they would say the things free from the restrictions of political correctness that have neutered other Republicans. So they see themselves in Trump. Their identity and their political philosophy is therefore wholly entwined with Trump. So they take it personally when they feel as though Trump is being attacked. And I get that. I totally do understand it. But I hope that some of the newer uh, uh, political conservatives here, the Trump conservatives, understand that the real enemy here isn't Paul Ryan. It's not Dan O'Donnell, who is, yes, occasionally going to criticize Donald Trump for doing stupid things, for not acting in a conservative manner. Up until now, though, and I'll admit, I had deep reservations about Trump. I did not like him at all during the primary, primarily because, and I fully admit that I didn't understand the Trump phenomenon. I didn't recognize it and recognize that deep connection that Trump had with people and the allies that the Republican Party was able to pick up the new voters or the disaffected Democrat voters that it was able to gain. As Trump rose, as Trump became more popular, and as Trump eventually won the presidency, this is a brand new coalition. And we sort of have to coexist with the traditional Democrat or the traditional Democrats, the traditional Republicans, the what I'll call Trump servatives. All right. I kind of like that. I've coined another new phrase. First, it was generation wine for the millennials. And now, now it's Trump servatives. The traditional conservatives like myself. We all have to have this sort of broad coalition. It's not a bad problem to have. The only coalition the Democrat Party has right now is the far left. That's it. And they've got coalitions that are constantly at each other's throats. The white hipster urban liberals, the educated erudite college professor liberals, the Black Lives Matter movement, the gay lobby, the... Uh, Vosis de la Frontera wing of the party, the illegal immigration uh, fanatics. And that's a series of groups that oftentimes their interests completely and totally butt heads. We as conservatives, Trump servatives and traditional Republicans, the more liberal wing of the party, we all generally agree on the same basic philosophical principles We can't be at each other's throats by being bogged down in minutia. Let's go to Dan in Milwaukee. You're on WISN. Hi, Daniel. Yeah, what's going on, buddy? Uh, You're doing a very good job, I have to concede. I'm 65, and you're about half my age, and I think you're coming across quite clearly. Thank you. Thank you very much. Man of your age. However, I want to say something in in behalf of Paul Ryan. Okay. Um, I think... Personally, uh, yeah, he has flip-flopped or shifted back and forth trying to figure out where to stand on 
Donald Trump, as we all were, right. as everybody was, not just him. I have to concede myself. I thought this man's a little on the crude side. He's not going to get across to the, the female voters or the more sensitive voters. You know, yeah. He's not polished, as we say. However, um, in, 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 in behalf of, of Paul Ryan, uh, he stepped into the lion's den. He knew what he was going to get. He knew after the Hillary Clinton town hall where she was specifically asked with the guy in the sweater, they knew that everybody knew that was a plant. Paul Ryan, I'm sure, consulted with his boss, Donald Trump. And there is something in Hollywood, I think, that's kind of lost over the years that they believe on the other side of the continental divide, on the other side of the mountains there. Yeah. Uh, it's a belief system, they say, and this applies to Meryl Streep, whether it's Meryl Streep, Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, sure. or, or, or Matt Damien. Negative press is good press. <laughs> yeah, so long as Ryan had an ability to put forth his agenda in front of a national audience, I think, yes, he uh, did see it as wise. And again... He booked this long before all that Trump stuff went down. I am Dan O'Donnell. You're listening to News Talk 1130 WISN. Call Dan now at 414-799-1130 or email him at DOD at Newstalk1130.com. You're listening to The Dan O'Donnell Show. On News Talk 1130 WISN. And we go right back to the phones as we talk to Mike in Milwaukee. Hey, Mike, you're on WISN. Hey, good morning, Dan. Uh, first of all, congrats on the show. Thank I you. I loved uh, hearing you when you uh, subbed for Jay, and it was um, always um, a, 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 just a a fun experience to uh, to listen to your twist on everything. Um, what 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 my comment is is that I think that the true litmus test um, between what the relationship will be between Trump and Paul Ryan and the rest of the majority is are they actually going to self-govern for the first time and with the opportunity in decades with term limits? Um, that's going to be the litmus test. Here's the uh, thing about here's the thing about term limits. As I understand it, it would very likely require a constitutional amendment. Okay? Because the constitution explicitly delineates the term for senators and the term for a member of the House of Representatives. So to change that and to say uh, each member of the House shall serve for two years and a maximum of, you know, 10 or something like that, you would probably need a constitutional amendment. So, you know, Trump, that's that's always a very popular campaign promise. And to be perfectly frank with you, Mike, I support term limits. I really do. I, I just think mm-hmm. it's unfeasible because, first, you need a substantial majority. I think it's two-thirds in both houses of Congress to get a constitutional amendment passed, do you really think that two-thirds of senators and Congress people will vote to essentially end their own jobs at a set date? Of course they won't. And then no, you've also got then you've also yeah. got the need for three-quarters of state legislatures to sign off on um, 
uh, a constitutional amendment. And I, I don't think that's likely, although it's amazing with the work that Republicans have done all across the country. We're very close. If we get three more, I think it is, state legislatures, we control three quarters of the state legislatures in this country. And that's truly stunning. Um, I always thought term limits was sort of a pie in the sky ideal. And I don't think that's ever, unfortunately, because I'd love to see it, I don't think it's ever going to happen just because of political realities. John in Oakfield, you're on WISN. Good morning, Dan. You're doing a fantastic job with your show. Thank you. You only need to get a hold of bot. You need to have more than two hours because you've got a lot of <laughs> very, very good things to say. I mean that from the bottom of well, thank of you. I, I appreciate You know what the amazing thing is? When you you first get a talk show, when I first started doing fill-in shows, and remember, at the other station, I did talk shows, yep. sports talk shows, yep. and that, I'm thinking, oh, my God, two hours, this is this is so much time to fill. Now I'm like, oh, geez, I've got so much. Literally, I did this Trump and, and Paul Ryan topic for the first hour. I have got, Armin, look at this. How many How many are we in? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven different topics. We're probably not going to get to most of them. But thank you, John. I appreciate it. Now you can, now you can relax over the weekend because you got Monday covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> to my point. I think the way that Paul Ryan answered that Hispanic woman was, especially in his position, was pathetic. I think he was very foolish to ever set that town hall meeting up with CNN, because even before the whole blow-up Monday into Tuesday and so forth, he, everybody knows what they are. They've, they've play, they've, their their mode operandi has been played out that everybody knows they're, gonna, they're trying to screw him, mm-hmm. and he goes to it. But then, you know, I, I get what you're saying, that we have to stay unified and this and that. And I have had some issues with the way Paul Ryan handles himself, but I thought it was funny. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yesterday, I was listening to Vicky, and she had Glenn Grossman on. And he wasn't talking about Paul Ryan in specific, but when they were, they were talking about what we have to do with uh, trying to get our hands around and be part of the uh, – throwing out Obamacare, getting our hands around the prescription costs. Yeah. And he said what our biggest, one of our problems going to be is getting the old bulls from our my own party to go along with this to do the right thing. Now, I'm not, you know, there's, a, there's more than Paul Ryan that's been there a long time, but that is one of the concerns. And Well, I think what he's talking about, the the old bills or the old bulls, John, hold on a sec. I think what he's talking about, the old bulls, because remember, Ryan for years has been on. Thank you very much for the phone call and the kind words, man. I really do appreciate them. Uh, I think what he was referring to, and I'll admit I didn't hear this, but just knowing what I know about Growthman, he is talking more about the uh, entrenched Republicans who have been there 20 and 30 years and aren't willing to experiment with, by Washington standards, what would be considered radical new ideas. Paul Ryan is not 
one of those guys, at least as I understand his political philosophy. In fact, Ryan has been one of the leaders on trying to get prescription drug costs under control and have that uh, be a part of whatever it would be that would eventually replace Obamacare. I'll tell you what, we are running out of time for this hour. We'll pick up with this uh, coming up next, but I also want to get to uh, a couple of other big stories that were breaking and some that kind of got uh, undercovered. One of this one is why millennials' income is badly lagging their parents' generation's income at the same time. I want to get into that and all sorts of fun stuff coming up next on News Talk 1130 WISN. Now, Conservative thought, not just talk. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. So I'm starting to hit the wall. I'm not going to lie. I Already? I am hitting the wall. Not, not in terms of doing this show. I mean, in terms of today. Uh, Armin, I don't know if you knew this, but I actually, this is the second show I've hosted today. I was in for Ken Herrera hosting the WISN morning briefing at about 5 o'clock this morning. I did know that. I I actually don't sleep, Dan. I stay up 24 hours a day listening to WISN. (laughs) Just for the chance that I might be on some show. I basically have uh, two radios on, one in each year. Yes. For 24 hours. I have WISN on one. Okay. And, and Big 920 on the other. Yes. I Armin, just keep uh, going back and forth. You know? Armin also does. He splits time uh, with the Mitch Nellis show, my buddy Mitch, on from 1 until 3 on our sister station, the Big 920. Um, I, I mean, it's long about – because, you know, when you do two shows, first of all, uh, the morning briefing for those who get up – listen to it. Ken Herrera does a fantastic job. That show is like a well-oiled machine. It's news and commentary together. It's like the hybrid of a news show and the hybrid of a, a talk show. And it takes a lot of preparation. You've got to write all the news scripts. You've got to get all the sound bites together. So it means you basically don't sleep. So – I have not gotten a whole lot of sleep, but I'll tell you, I have been um, pretty much going on no- nothing but caffeine and laughing at this Portland Mercury <laughs> article. You're not coaching any youth sports today, are you? Just want to make no, sure. <laughs> no, I did have, uh, I did have, a, a, I had to coach last night too. I had to coach a uh, third and fourth grade uh, basketball team. Still laughing at this article. Can Portlandia be funny in the age of Trump? Where the article, and this was reprinted in the Wall Street Journal this morning. The uh, the author of this article basically makes the point that why are we making fun of hipster liberals? I mean, they are the people who want to address climate change. They're the people who ride bikes instead of driving. SUVs. They're the people. They didn't vote for Trump. We, we can't make fun of hipster liberals. So I took it upon myself to put together a PSA to try to encourage other talk radio hosts not to do the same, to leave our hipster liberals alone. Our people are suffering and only you can save them. They cry out for help and gluten-free caramel macchiatos. They are our nation's hipster liberals, and they are in trouble. First, it was the horror of an election not going their way. Then, it was realizing that protesting and throwing temper tantrums wouldn't change it. Now, it's occasionally being made fun of. They don't deserve this. Nobody deserves this. So please, before you make a joke about craft brewing, before you roll your eyes at their man buns, please remember... They're people, too. 
They're just like you. In fact, they're smarter than you and know what's best for you better than you do. They are our nation's hipster liberals. Please help them. They've been through enough already. It's been a tough year for those hipster liberals. It really has. And it's been a tough uh, couple of years for millennial hipster liberals and millennials in general. The Associated Press reporting today on a new analysis of Federal Reserve data by the advocacy group Young Invincibles which pretty much sounds exactly like how you would imagine a millennial advocacy group to sound young and what, what a character of itself. That's perfect, right? That is. With a median household income of $40,581, millennials earn 20% less than baby boomers did at the same stage of life. What's really interesting about this is they tell the story of a 28-year-old woman named Andrea Ledesma, and she is from Milwaukee. She says her parents owned a house and were raising kids by her age. Not so for her. Ledesma graduated from college four years ago. After moving through a series of jobs, she now earns $18,000 making pizza at Classic Slice in Milwaukee, shares a two-bedroom apartment with her boyfriend, and has $33,000 in student debt. That's not at all how life is now. That's not something that people strive for, and it's not something that is even attainable. And I thought it would be at this point, Ledesma said. Her mother, Cheryl Romanowski, 55, was making about $10,000 a year at her age, working at a bank without a college education. In today's dollars, that income would be equal to roughly $19,500. Romanowski said she envies the choices that her daughter has in life, but she acknowledged that her daughter has it harder than her. I think the opportunities have just been fading away, she said. Your thoughts, 799-1130-1800-838-9476. The Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin toll-free line. DOD at Newstalk1130.com. Twitter and Facebook at Dan O'Donnell Show. Are opportunities really fading away for millennials? What is with this generation lagging behind? I don't think the answer is as simple as you might think. Now, the analysis of the Fed data uh, compared 25 to 34-year-olds in 2013, the most recent year available, to the same group in 1989 after adjusting for inflation. Education does help boost incomes. But the median college-educated millennial with student debt is only earning slightly more than a baby boomer without a degree did in 1989. The home ownership rate for this group dipped to 43% from 46% in 1989, although the rate has improved for millennials with a college degree relative to boomers. The median net worth of millennials is $10,090, 56% less than it was for boomers. Now, the net worth question... The network question was easy to answer. It's all home ownership. All right, your net worth, your biggest investment that is tied to your net worth is going to be your house. You simply don't have people who, after they graduated from college or even after they secured their first job out of high school anymore, rushing to buy a house. The American dream used to be home ownership because that was sort of seen as the quickest way and the easiest way and the most effective way to build true generational wealth, to own property, to own a home, to start with uh, a little one-bedroom or two-bedroom ranch, and and then to every five, ten years as you your income increases to sort of 
increase your home to sort of buy a new home and to eventually get to the McMansion or whatever it is. Well, there's sort of a generational divide now. And there is this thinking that's very widespread amongst my generation. And yes, I do consider myself the world's oldest millennial since technically uh, I am in the millennial generation. But at 35, born in 1981, I'm sort of in some calculations of when the millennial generation started. I'm included in it. Uh, In some, I am not. Some, it's 18 to 34. Right now, some, it's 18 to 35. Whatevs. Um, My generation and younger does not think in those terms. It does not think that home ownership is a way to build wealth. It doesn't see home ownership as necessary. In fact, it's, in many respects, this generation is sort of, if not ambivalent, towards moving out to the suburbs openly hostile to the idea right this generation wants to wants to rent wants to live in you know a trendy area here in milwaukee of like bayview or the east side they want to be where the action is downtown that third, sort of thing. third ward third ward, a dense right. urban area right exactly they, they don't feel shackled by home ownership exactly that's that's it exactly armin they don't want to feel shackled they don't want to get into a 30-year mortgage or even a 15-year mortgage because they don't want to feel as though they're tied down okay so they value spending their money on on things like trips and on things like um even even automobiles even another tangible asset is something that the millennial generation is foregoing because they don't see the value in it with ride sharing and with you know taking their bike to work if you live 20 blocks away from your work well realistically you could take your bike to work or you could walk to work or you could take the trolley oh i can't wait for the trolley um so you don't have these things which once again with a car what do you do you buy a beater and then you sort of trade up and trade up and trade up And the other thing that's really driving this, I think, is student loan costs. It's the cost of tuition has just increased so exponentially. It is so outpaced inflation. It's so outpaced uh, wage growth that you have kids coming out of college and kids coming out of professional school with this mountain of debt that even if they wanted to buy a house, they probably wouldn't be able to swing it financially. Let's go to uh, Joe in Pewaukee, who makes a great point about the big difference in college education now as opposed to 30 years ago. What's up, Joe? Hey, how you doing, Dan? Uh, good show. Thank you. Uh, point, I wanted, point I wanted to make is nowhere in the article uh, earlier that I heard you talk about did it explain what her degree was in. Right, and that uh, is a, a key omission. Age. Andrea Ledesma, 28, of Milwaukee. And I'm not going to you know, look her up on Facebook or something like that. But what was her major? Was it you know, exactly. medieval lesbian art studies? Because there, there, isn't, there isn't a market for that career. 20, 30 years ago, you would go into engineering or you would go into uh, the law. You would go into business. There wasn't this offering of every what I would consider to be relatively useless majors. And I'm sorry, but if you're taking intergender studies, if that's your major, you have to understand that there isn't going to be as wide a job market for you as the same guy who majors in electrical engineering. There just isn't. Okay, if your job, if your your career field, if your major And your area of focus is essentially limited to academia. Another one, another classic one, African-American studies. 
okay, that's great. That's that's fantastic that you're majoring in that. Where is the job market for that? Seriously, outside of academia, where will you find a career studying African-Americans? Gender studies, same thing. You're, you're going to study gender where? Seriously, where? You, you're going to go to Rockwell Automation and study some gender? No. What's happening is more and more people are picking majors that they're interested in. And they love the classwork and the discussions, and that's all well and good. And you're you're talking to – I double majored in English and communication studies, all right? So I'm not totally immune from this, but I knew all along in college that I was going to go on to law school. I knew that I was going to specialize, and I was going to get an advanced degree because that was my area of interest. Along the way, I kind of got bitten by the broadcasting bug and realized that that's what I wanted to do and had the aptitude, had the job skills to be able to do broadcasting as a career. But for me, what college was, was honing my skills as a broadcaster, honing my skills as a writer, as a public speaker, and yes, as a thinker. With the knowledge that eventually I was going to get right here today doing my own talk show because I humbly think that I do possess the necessary skill set to be able to talk about issues in an educated way that gets people interested in thinking about them and maybe even entertains them as well. I was using college to prepare for that. I wasn't out partying. I wasn't taking some blow off major just to get a degree and to to drink every weekend. I was In a radio studio, every Saturday night, I was doing the high-profile Saturday night, midnight to 6 a.m. news shift. And Saturday mornings, I could be heard spinning the hits of the 80s, 90s, and today. I was like 19 years old. I was in college, right? But I was using that. I was using an internship and my connections that I got through the internship to get a job and to advance my career, It's no different if you're not viewing college as preparation for the job market, but rather you view it as an ability to study some esoteric field. Don't be surprised if the job market is limited to you. But this isn't limited to just the majors that millennials are um, picking. Let's go to George in New Berlin. George, how you doing, buddy? Just a great, uh, wonderful show you have. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I'd like to bring up, and that's how the, the cost or the inflation of a college education versus everything else is so out of whack. It is, yes. When I went to Marquette, this is in 1963, my semester tuitions was $425 a, a semester. I was working third shift and going to school first shift. One month of me working at Evan Rood Motors paid yep. for a semester. Now, I dare say no one working, not only in a factory, but even someone in a white-collar work, you do not work one month after tax money pays for a semester at Marquette. Oh, no. It's it's not even close. No at, at Marquette? Uh, Armin and I both went to Marquette, and I was on I was on what essentially amounted to – it was a substantial scholarship, and it was still a chunk of change. I mean, you're talking a semester at Marquette, what, eight ten thousand dollars well ten years later it's much more from what i went there i think it yeah, was it, in the it, 20s right now you're talking about forty five thousand dollars a year at marquette it's, almost, it's very it's very high it's, a, it's approaching something like okay that. so i'll be i'll be honest with you i'm a little out of touch there but george you're absolutely correct and the return on the investment any investor will tell you you want to look at the potential return the return on the investment in all but um uh, i would say 
I'm not going to say a handful, but a select number of majors or fields of study are not going to provide the return on a $150,000 investment and taking out these loans. And another problem is with the loans, we're talking about, oh, we need college loan reform. Well, what's happened? Okay. The government gets into the government, uh, to the college loan business. And it essentially is saying, okay, we want to get as many loans for as many people as possible. It's creating an artificial market. There's so much money there available that can only be used for one specific product. It's only natural that that product, higher education, which has a monopoly on the college degree industry, would jack up its prices in response to this influx of capital that can only be used to pay for its services. Do you follow me? You've got more money available, more cheap and free money available for college. Of course, that money is going to lead to the people who are in charge of providing the service that that money can only be spent on raising their rates, all right? The issue with college affordability is not usurious loan rates or loan rates that are way too high. The issue is tuition itself is so out of whack. Even public education facilities, even the UW system, tuition rates are so sky high. You add to that room and board, and it's unaffordable. And the return on that substantial investment is simply not making it worthwhile. You add to that the fields of study that are completely and totally worthless in a modern economy that kids are going into and they're, be, they're being funneled into the social sciences. Well, excuse me. And I love soci. I, one of my favorite classes in college was sociology, in fact. I loved it. I forget my professor's name, but I thought he was fantastic. There is not a wide range of career options for a sociology major. And when you get a PhD in sociology, sure, that's great. You can work at a university. If you're limiting yourself artificially with the major that you select, then naturally your job options are going to be limited. Uh, we've got a lot of interest in this topic, and I think it's a very, very important one. So we're going to keep this going. Dan O'Donnell Show, News Talk, 1130 WISN. Back to the Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We do have some breaking news. Wide receiver Jordy Nelson has officially been ruled out of Sunday's playoff game in Dallas. After hearing this news, Packers fans have officially been ruled out of Jack Daniels talking about millennials badly lagging behind their parents generation in terms of median household income as well as median net worth 
Millennials earn 20% less than baby boomers did at the same stage of life, and their net worth is 56% less than it was for baby boomers, and a point that often gets overlooked when talking about median household income. Back when baby boomers were in their 20s and 30s, it was far more common for the wife to stay home and raise the children. So you had far more households with only one income. Now, this is also obscured by the fact that boomers married far younger and had children far younger. You have infinitely more millennials who do have a single income household because they're not married. They don't have children. They're not in a committed relationship where you have two people uh, bringing in incomes. Let's go to Matt in Milwaukee. You're on WISN. Hey, Dan, thanks, and congrats on the show. I thought they were going to give you a March time slot. He's going to retire, but I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. Oh, no. Mark Mark, uh, Mark will hopefully, God willing, be here until he's about 105 years old. Infinitum. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, the point I wanted to make, uh, you guys kind of touched on it already with the other callers, was the supply and demand side and how tuition costs is really a, a symptom of, of government getting involved in the college business. But uh, the, the other point I wanted to make is uh, that millennials, and, and I'm 24 years old, or I mean, pardon me, 26 years old, I'm <laughs> thinking about my wife. Um, my generation is completely adverse to what back in the boomers days would have been considered normal jobs. And that's the trades in, in whether union or non-union, it, there's, there's a complete and total aversion to getting your hands dirty and, or, uh, or not going to college. Basically just the idea of not going to college scares the, you know, the crap out of right. People, people are people are conditioned to believe that if they don't go to college, if they don't get a four year degree, they won't be able to get a job. All right. Absolutely. And, and a great example of this. On, like you're not educated. Like right. the whole thing with Trump's election, it's all this type of together. It's great. It's like uneducated voters. Well, that just means you don't have a college degree. So the iron workers at the company I work for, so they are uneducated. So you're going to call them stupid, right? No, it just means. Well, you don't but have the a college but the education. implication the implication though now in society today, especially in the the cultural and political left, the implication is if you don't have a college degree, in truth, if you don't have an advanced degree, you're dumb. All right. And nobody wants as a 18, 19 year old that stigma anymore of being considered dumb in society's eyes. Well, you're basically if you go into the trades, you're dumb like a fox because of all the money that you can make. Now, a great example of this, my own brother, I'm not going to get into too many specifics here, um, but he got a four year degree and he got into the, the corporate rat race and realized he was absolutely miserable. He's a creative guy. He's an incredibly gifted uh, music composer and, and musician, guitarist. And uh, in fact, some of his, he creates beats and he creates music. Some of his beats get picked up by cable programs, by like, uh, not cable news, uh, cable, like, um, Trying to think some of the ones that were on Gold Rush, his music was on it, and this. So he's a very talented guy. He's a very creative guy. And he wasn't able to do that. So what he did was realized after a couple of years, this isn't working. I don't like it. I'm not happy. He went back to MATC, and he got, I think it was a two-year associate's degree in web design. He always had an aptitude, and he always had an interest and, and knowledge of web design and, and graphic design and that sort of stuff. And now... He's doing design for a pretty sizable company. Is doing incredibly well for himself in work that he truly enjoys doing. 
All right. He realized very quickly and very early on in his life that the job that the four year degree was funneling him towards just wasn't going to pay enough, first of all, and also wasn't what he wanted to do and wasn't something that was going to ever lead to any sort of meaningful advancement. So he made a change. And while he didn't go into the trades, he went into a field of study, digital web design, that is an exploding field. I'll tell you what, I've got a nine-year-old son, a six-year-old son, a two-year-old daughter. Every single one of them will be learning how to code. We'll be going to, they call them code camp or coding camps, where they learn how to make video games. They make it fun for these kids to program and to learn computer language, how to make their own games. And then you move on to make your own websites and make your own apps and that sort of stuff. These are the jobs of the future. If you want to make a lot of money, learn code. Learn it now. You are never too young to get your kids into learning how to code. This is the new this is like the modern day trades. This is a trade, this is a skill that you need to know. One of my big regrets in life is that I don't know how to do it better. All right? That I can't, you know, on Common Sense Central, I can't basically use the system that we have for doing these blogs to basically build my own content. Okay? I just I don't have the language uh, the knowledge of the language to be able to do it, to you know, use JavaScript or HTML or whatever it is and learn how to do this stuff. And these are the skills that people need to have. And if you're going into, you know, the the comparative history of gay rights as a major, I mean, how is that an employable skill? Let's go to uh, Doug and Grafton. You're on WISN. Good morning, sir. How are you? Fantastic, man. What's up? Well, my thing is, I uh, used my GI money to go to college. I chose to go through the U.S. Navy, uh, learned uh, some technical skills, and then I was able to, you know, decide what I wanted to be, and then I got a free run at college. You know, that's another thing that is not talked about a lot. What is one of the left's number one enemies? What is frowned upon? The military. All right. The military. Oh, you want to you. Wanna. How many times have we heard stories, especially in this kind of fell fell off during the Obama years? But during the Bush years, I can remember story after story of schools kicking out military recruiters. Remember that? Oh, you want to get these people in so they can get our kids over to Iraq and get killed? Well, no, I, the military and the GI Bill is one of the smartest things the American government ever did. We have an all-volunteer military, and in exchange for your service, what the government will do is say, okay, you you basically pick your future. You give us your time. We will give you time to get an education. And not, an, not enough people, I don't think, are recognizing this as a very real opportunity and a very real advantage. I mean, you talk about uh, military members. I've got a buddy who is a military sniper. And by the way, he absolutely worships Mad Dog Mattis. And he was a military sniper. He was a Marine sniper over in uh, Iraq. And he he would use, he knew how to use 20, 30 million dollar pieces of equipment. And he understood how to exist in a team format. It was like every skill he's list, listing off that he's able to do translates to the workforce. I mean, the military is a fantastic way to build character, to build competence, to build leadership skills, communication skills, everything that you would need. Yet it's frowned upon. The cultural and political left, oh, you go to the military, oh, you're one of those grunts. Yeah. 
it's the same thing with the trades. It's like you got people like uh, Meryl Streep, for goodness sakes, looking down their noses. Like, oh, you're in the trades. I bet you watch mixed martial arts and football, too. These are legitimate paths, fantastic paths to career success and happiness that are being shunned. And, and why? Tom and Oak Creek, you're on WISN. Hey, Dan. All three of my kids are millennials. And they've got friends. Now, my, my kids are going to school for something that's that's worthwhile. Okay. But their friends, the the reason why they, they go to school and get a worthless degree is because they're they're groomed that they have to go to school to get a degree. Yes. And they, they can't bust out of their comfort zone is what it is. That's where, where you talk about they don't want to get their hands Well, dirty. and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, Tom, that I think we're, we're kind of overlooking. There are a lot of high school graduates who are being steered towards college even if they aren't ready for the rigors of the work, okay? That was, that was my next point, Dan. Yeah. When I grew up, when you were 16, you went and got a job. You became an adult real quick and paying for your own stuff. Nowadays, they're groomed that you're not an adult until you're 26 years old. Yes, yeah, you can be on your parents' health insurance until 26. Now, I, I mean, if that doesn't disincentivize getting a job and just basically living off mom and dad, I don't know what does. One of your single biggest expenses, healthcare, is just kind of covered. Okay, because we consider you can still a dependent. I'm just talking for, I mean, I had a, I had a kid at 26. My goodness, I guess I'm a terrible millennial. You know, I was in a committed relationship and had a kid. Um, it is a problem when you have such significant grade inflation from grade school into high school and even into college on, and you're pushing all of these kids towards college when you've got a kid that that barely got a 19 on the ACT, and you're saying, you got to go to a four-year university, got to go to a four-year university. And then the university, which uh emailer, or maybe it was on Facebook, pointed out, look, these universities are for-profit institutions. We can pretend all we want that they aren't, but they are. They have a vested interest in, attacti- in attracting Customers, students, people who will pay for their service, and they have an even more vested interest in keeping them going. Nobody flunks out of college anymore. That's a completely and totally foreign concept. Nobody gets Fs. Nobody even gets Ds. In fact, nobody really gets Cs. It's all As and Bs because of great inflation. Everybody wants to feel special. I'm reminded, of course, of a great line from uh, one of the true masterpieces of American cinema, Pixar's The Incredibles. <laughs> and one of the characters, a superhero, says, everybody's special, son. And the son says, that's another way of saying nobody is. Bill in Eagle, you're on WISN. Yeah, I was hearing your comments about pushing people into the trades and what a great option that is. But I'll tell you what, man, I'm an electrician. And if if I have anything to do with it, I'll keep my son out of the trades if at all possible. Reason Why is that? It's because it's a... It's a seasonal job. Uh, yeah, there is that. Laid off in the wintertime. You know, uh, you're working week to week. You never know if you're working. You're, you're basically like a human squirrel. You've got to save up enough in the summer months to get through the winter, right? Yeah, and you're constantly networking your way to your next job. And if you don't network the right way, guess what, man? You're laid off. You know, it's it's not as it's, it's a great job when you're working, but when you're not working. Life that is, is and that is true. And you know what? That is actually also a function of a slowing economy or an economy that just has not recovered to the level that it 
was even close to uh, before the recession because there aren't, as anybody in the trades will know, the jobs you want are commercial jobs. The big jobs, the ones that will keep you working for months at a time and pay the most are commercial jobs. You know, as an electrician, you want to be working on the Northwestern Mutual business. You don't want to be working on Dan O'Donnell's house, you know, because O'Donnell doesn't know how to screw in a light bulb. Uh, so there are challenges associated with the trades, to be sure, and there are no easy answers for this. That's what I want to really stress. There is, It's not just millennials are lazy. That's not it. We can generalize and we can say, oh, yeah, they just don't work hard enough. That's not it at all. There are challenges that this generation does, in fact, face, and chief among them is the cost of higher education and simply the cost of living that has just dramatically risen from what our parents and our grandparents faced. And there's not going to be a, a, an easy solution to this. 1043 News Talk 1130 WISN. Home Conservative thought, not just talk. It is the Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. Fantastic discussion that I'm sure we will be having quite a bit on this show about the millennial generation and the challenges that it faces. Median household income, personal net worth down significantly from the parents of the millennial generation, the baby boomers. And the millennials, love them or hate them, are the biggest single generation that we have today now supplanting the baby boomers and as the boomers head into retirement and beyond it is going to be the millennials who are the single largest force in american uh business and american politics as well and in advance of that as a member of the millennial generation ladies and gentlemen i say i'm sorry preemptively i am sorry for anything that we might mess up um i did coin a new phrase today Kind of accidentally responding to a tweet. There's Generation X and Generation Y. Why don't we call the millennials Generation Wine? They certainly did a lot of that when uh, Trump was elected. You know it was all millennials marching in the streets. Oh my God, Trump was elected. I'll tell you what, I'm going to march in the streets with this news. Jordy Nelson out for the Packers, not unexpected. I mean, this was probably going to be the case. I mean, if you thought Jordy Nelson was going to play with what I don't think was ever officially confirmed. Armin, was it ever officially confirmed he has two cracked ribs? No, just sources close and things like that, uh, saying probably broken ribs. Generally, those sorts of sources. Yeah, yeah, the Packers are very tight-lipped when it comes to injuries, but generally uh, sources within teams and and NFL sources are pretty accurate when it comes to injuries and it just it looked like Jordy Nelson took a direct hit he wasn't wearing the little pad that protects your ribs most receivers don't I learned that during the broadcast Um, yes from Joe Buck actually folks he took a direct hit to the ribs and he he was in very obvious pain and the issue with rib injuries yeah a cracked rib isn't always the most serious thing. When you're playing a game like football, the possibility, because the rib cage is weakened, of severe damage right. to an internal organ, a doctor was just never going to, to to clear him to play. In fact, I dare say, Armin, let's say for the sake of arguments that the Packers win on Sunday. From my mouth to God's ears, the Packers win. 
I think Nelson's out for the year. Well, probably. It depends how serious it is and how it heals and specifically what's cracked in there. But like you said, Dan, it's not generally thought of as too serious if you're sitting at home recovering. But uh, it's a little bit more serious if you're being hit yes, like at, by 300 at, at, at pound men, like yeah. a full truck length. <laughs> right. You know, it's not a safe game to play if you have broken ribs. No, I mean, it, it just isn't. And, and the and, Packers have, you know, the Packers have capable backups. Nobody's going to replace Jordy Nelson, but we know about the litany of receivers the Packers have. Hopefully that they can uh, they can make up this difference. Yeah, hopefully they can. Uh, Geronimo Allison will play, even though we found out that he got busted with marijuana. I don't believe he's at a court date yet. He will not be suspended for this game. He may face uh, suspension, a four-game suspension from the league, but that won't happen until next year. All right, Troy Aikman yesterday... Fox Sports broadcaster and Hall of Fame NFL quarterback came out and responded to the news that an intrepid Packers fan has come up with a change.org petition to have him and his partner Joe Buck removed from the Packers broadcast. Why? Because they always talk bad about our Packers dare. Aikman responded and said, I couldn't possibly care less. Now, Let me ask you from a logical standpoint, ladies and gentlemen, if Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did not hate the Green Bay Packers and their fans before this little petition brouhaha, what do you suppose they think of the Green Bay Packers fan base now Right, exactly. that 20,000 people have signed a petition to get them removed from the broadcast booth. I mean, you talk about the most counterintuitive nonsense I have ever seen. What spoiled, entitled mentality could you possibly have to say, oh, well, they're so negative about the Packers. Oh, no. They're talking bad about the Packers. Turn the volume down, okay? Like, honestly, listen to the game if you really must. I know, oh, well, the radio doesn't sync up with the television. Do be proactive if you really can't stomach Joe Buck occasionally saying that, you know what, the Packers protection really broke down on that Aaron Rodgers sack and the receivers weren't able to get open. If this really bothers you, I don't think you're emotionally cut out for the rigors of watching the Green Bay Packers on television. I'm Dan O'Donnell. You're listening to News Talk 1130 WISS. Ten fifty nine on News Talk eleven thirty WISN. I am Dan O'Donnell, wrapping up the Dan O'Donnell Show for another week. Yeah, we are going to get a couple of things posted uh, within the next couple of hours, at least. I've got some urgent business to take care of at home, most notably a nap. I've been up way too long right now. Filled in on the Ken Herrera show, the WISN morning briefing early this morning. Did my own show. Uh, we will get the millennial article up on Common Sense Central. Plus, we've had a number of requests for the uh, liberal hipster PSA. We'll get that up there uh, as well. Well, two weeks in the books here on the Dan O'Donnell show, and we'll be back on Monday morning, making the third week even better than these. You are listening to News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.